Welcome to the Value Script podcast where we bring value every episode for the everyday person, focusing on mind, body, soul, and empire. Today we have part two of our very dynamic guest, JD Harris. If you didn't see part one, check it out. It's awesome. Or this is gonna be awesomer. Awesomer. Is that a word? Yeah, it is now. <laughs> Fantastic. So on the break, we started getting into a conversation. I made him halt it and did the timeout so that we could talk about it here. But Justin had said, if I could go back in time and do sports, I would focus on one sport only. And JD started to react. So I want to get that reaction. So I would say absolutely not. And this is why. You look at even this past, the past couple Super Bowls. Most of the athletes that participated in it, 80% of them played multiple sports. Um, what happens is a lot of times you're getting over usage, burnout, um, and there's some development in other sports that carry over um, in terms of your agility, your moving, and then just being balanced relationally, right? Um, <clears throat> if you're going, like you look at the Patrick Mahomes Tom Brady, they played baseball, they played basketball, and you had different friendships. I mean, because it's all in the in the end, it's about relationships too, right? right? The human component. So, uh, and I believe that athletes should be well rounded. And scouting in the NFL, that was one of the bigger things that we looked at. We wanted to see uh, if they're competitive year round. And I mentioned Bobby Ingram earlier. We play softball as part of practice under Dave Wanstead. Well, Bobby was out there killing the softball. Or we would go into, uh, you remember this guy, we would go into the bubble back at the Walter Payton Center, it's called now, pull back the turf. It was a full court basketball. Gary Croton, BYU, yeah. out there, will be playing. He's shooting threes. Uh, we had uh, Shoop, John Shoop, who was at the Raiders, shooting threes. Uh, we had... Um, uh, Brian Erlacher was out there playing. All these dudes. Well, I mean, but they had a background in multiple sports. One of my favorite linebackers in the NFL, <laughs> Brian Erlacher. That guy could do everything. When, I, when he was like in Mexico, I understand he was the kicker. He could do punt return. Yeah, punt return. <laughs> he he played uh, play tight end. Yeah, linebacker safety. He was a man. Maybe I meant I should have. It's all right, Justin. When we get you a mic, you can defend yeah. your case. I bought, I bought I bought four mics. I didn't buy four chords. We just discovered that today. Well, you've been talking about how dance played played into There you go. Football. Good segue, Meredith. I see ya. I see ya. <laughs> Boom. Blow it up. So interesting enough, uh, through my company, High Intensity Sports, I've worked with a lot of different uh native groups and um underrepresented communities to help bring sports to them and develop them. So over the years, it started off with football. It went to sports performance. So about three years ago, right before the pandemic, we I brought in uh, Marcus Fitzgerald, Larry's brother, who, you know, he played at Marshall. Uh, we brought in Blaine. Um, and I decided, I was like, because I'm looking at these athletes, especially now because they're so specialized right. that – they're almost robots. So I took in Myson Dotson, uh, Myson Jr., who was on NBC's World of Dance. 
And I brought him into the camp because I was like, these kids don't play like we played outside. They get dropped off. They're not riding their bicycles. They're not climbing trees. Well, that, was, that was one thing I was going to ask you too. And I don't want to lose this, this point. I want to, I want to stay on this point with dance, but um, just in today's environment, being a multi-sport athlete is increasingly more difficult though, because you got these kids playing club football in the winter and you know, like you got these club kids and, and like, I think most of the parents I know and talk to are like, well, if my kid, like they have Justin's mentality pretty much, like if my kid's going to be a football star, they, he's got to play all the time. And so they get him in the club teams or in summer leagues, you know, and then they come to football season and they've already been playing all year versus like you got a kid. Like, like I think wrestling was invaluable in developing as a player. Like I, I was a I way agree. better player my sophomore year. I was an animal my sophomore year, actually, compared to my, my freshman year. I walked on the field. I'd never played tackle football in my life. And I walk out there and – there's all these kids that have played together from the bigger Buckeye school. And um, they, you know, they're like, hey, what position are you going to play? I'm like, I didn't even know what all the positions were called, to be honest. I'm like, uh, tight end. They're like, okay, because I knew I, I knew I could, might be able to be a tight end. So, um, and that's what I ended up playing. But I was intimidated, you know, and they're like, how much you squat? I'm like, I've never squatted before, ever, you know, and, I mean, 14, whatever. But, but uh, freshman year, I wrestled too. And then sophomore year came out. And it, I was a totally different football makes, player. It makes a huge difference. You understand leverage. You understand your own body. Uh, and with tackling or being tackled. Well, like, people don't know, Barry Sanders was a state champion wrestler. Barry Sanders. Ray Lewis <laughs> was a state champion wrestler. And kind of 31 oh, and 1 coming in. And Ray Lewis, 29 and 1. And can't get any closer than that. Five apiece with a minute 16 remaining. Yeah, they both have, uh, you look down their accomplishments, it's champion, 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 champion everywhere. And it was funny when I worked at the Bears, uh, part of my interruption, but we had a guy by the name of Marty Carter. Marty Carter had the worst build ever. You wouldn't even think he was a football player. He was the only one I've ever seen do solo tackles as a safety on Barry Sanders. And Marty Carter, always he had like multiple seasons over 100 plus tackles. Wow. Yeah, and why one thing from wrestling that was so valuable to me too was that it helped me get that grit because mm-hmm. it was hard. It's all on you. Spotlights on you. <laughs> well, it was hard. I mean, there's intense practices. You're going against people your size for hours. There was this kid, <laughs> uh, one of my bullies in high school. He was my size essentially, and but he was older. He was, um, when I was a freshman, I think he was a junior. He might have been a senior. No, I can't remember. If he, I think he might have been a senior. But he had a tattoo. And we're like, oh, dude's got a tattoo. Yep. You know, like, and it was a bad boy. Do you remember the bad boy tattoo? The bad boy tattoo. And we just happened to be interested in the same girl. And so one day, I turned around from my locker, and he and four of his friends were standing behind me, and I was just like, oh, man, this is going to be a bad time. I don't know how to talk my way out of this one. But I basically just kind of stood there strong, looked him in the eye, and he, they tried to intimidate me, and I talked my way out of it. I did not want to get in a, get in a fight with four guys, and especially this guy. But I go to wrestling practice. Guess who's in my weight class? So every day, he grinded me into that freaking mat. like He just like wanted to pound the heck out of me because he did. And so that's how he got his, his angst out towards me. But I got to the point where I could, I could wrestle back. And, and, but I had to dig, man, because every day I was getting beaten up on the mat and it did something for me. I didn't want to get beat up anymore. But how does that apply to life now? Right. You know, same thing when we have those trials and 
I can remember my dad telling reflective stories when he wrestled, but even with myself, it's like that that perseverance that comes through because yeah. it's a grind. And there was there was one time I was on the mat and I was getting choked out. I was I was wrestling in a varsity tournament as a freshman and over my head, you know, and this kid was choking me with his freaking bicep in front of my everybody I knew, and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this. I was able to roll out and get it reversed and and um you know, I was able to, uh, at that point, get him into a near cradle. And I did not pin him. The kid was incredible. And he ended up beating me in the end. But it was just, I remember that moment getting choked out by his bicep. Thinking, I don't like this. I don't, I don't like this. And I can do something about it. I just got to decide I'm not going to quit. And, I was, and then I remember thinking, I had this conversation with myself within 10 seconds. Like, it's going to hurt really bad to get out of this. But it's going to hurt even more to losing like this. Have those moments. I definitely can acquiesce to that. Right. So that that translates into very many assets of my, you know, facets of my life where I've been, you know, back against the wall and you're like, I don't like this. And it's gonna hurt to get out of this. Probably gonna and it's more pain than I want to go through, but losing is gonna be the worst. And but you can use those moments, like you could recall those moments where you've overcame. Yeah. And so you have a pattern history of Hey, I've I've been through physically, mentally tough situations. Guess what? I'm tough. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get that confidence too. It gives you that confidence. Like, look what I've been through and, and, and came out of it, right? And you can look back and be like, well, I can do this. Yeah, I'm not going backwards. Right. <laughs> going, moving ahead. That's one thing we talked about on our previous episode about kids is having a family roots um, book or a family roots program in your family where, where they can draw on members of their family and look back in their family history and find figures that they can find stoicism from or courage from if they don't have it in their own lives. And they think, well, if this person that had that my DNA, they share my DNA and, and I have this person's DNA that runs through my body. I can do what they did, you know? And, and if you don't have that, then you can find heroic figures, you know, like through sports and, and things, but to, to point to like, if they can get through this, I can do it. And, and I think that's one of the things with parenting now that is lacking, uh, in a sense, is allowing our kids to go through adversity, controlled mm-hmm. adversity. That's why I think sports are very important. They're controlled adversity. They, they have to learn to communicate. Well, you know, talk to the coach. I'm not talking to the coach. You want more time. Right. Find out what you're doing. I'm, yeah. That's not a conversation. My parents didn't get involved with why I wasn't playing or why I was playing. That was something I had to do. I had to figure it out. I wasn't going to tell. But these days, even at college, their parents come in like they're agents. And, you know, and so that's where you're having, you know, as a balance because everybody got a, a, a certificate and a, a trophy. And, right. and so our kid, you know, shouldn't go through adversity. And it's like, no, that's this is controlled adversity. This is where they're going to learn. This is one of the great simulators you can have for a young child to go through going back to breath, uh, waking up early in the morning, having to train, having to figure out something he didn't know how to do. And times were frustrating. It was hot. I'm on him and pushing and pushing. And then that when he gets older or even now, it's like, man, I have this moment. I didn't have success. I had to put some more time into it. It's not given to me. I have to earn it. Right. And so uh, that's where I feel like we, and I say we, because I don't blame the kids. I blame the parents. 
Sure. Uh, well, the one opportunity, though, too, like you said, for the kids to learn to advocate for themselves, because that's one thing I've tried to. And he's it's funny being a dad. When Brecken was born, I was like, slam dunk. I got a boy. Finally got a boy. I had two girls. Now I got my boy. I know how to raise boys because I'm a boy. Right. The kid is nothing like me. Which he's he's in all the best qualities in all the best ways possible. He is nothing like me, and he's an amazing young man. But he's way more like his mother, and he doesn't approach things the way I do. So I'm always like scratching my head, like. But I, you know, I had to encourage him last year. I was like, "How are you? Are you satisfied with your amount of playing time?" He's like, "No." I was like, "So what are you going to do about it?" And he kind of was like, "Well, what can I do about it? Like, talk to your coach. <laughs> you talk to your coach. You tell him, hey, look, I want to be on the field. What do I need to do to get there?' Right again." Put the risk onus on me. What right. do I need to do? And the fact that you stayed out of it. Right? Yeah, totally. And well, and parents need to realize that like life is going to hit your kid hard if they haven't had to do anything for themselves. And you're not always going to be able to be and, there to hold their hand. No. Right. And I've had. Right. People, Nor should you be. Like, because everybody thinks their kid is a college player, right? They start talking to me. Well, he loves this and he can do this. And because I'm very candid, I will never just try to take money from someone. Right. When I'm working with them. I'll give you an honest projection of where I see your kid. And some parents are like, okay, well, he loves this. Well, football doesn't love him back. Yeah. yeah. Or, 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 <laughs> or, so or sometimes the parent loves it and yeah. the kid really doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, you know, <laughs> right. it's that entitlement mentality. And, and that I don't blame the kids. I sure. blame the parenting. Right. Yeah. So. We, we deal with that in our practice. It's like, you know, the parents sometimes look at me like, how are you going to make my kid behave? It's like, I can't undo years of bad parenting in five minutes. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we're, we're good at what we do, at. but there are, there are some established patterns. And here. I found myself coaching the parents. Yeah. It's like, well, he does what I say. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is that? I had a kid I was never forget. I was correcting. It was working here at a high school, and the kid was running Rasha all, all over campus, except for with me. One reason why he thought I was crazier than he was. <laughs> and it was serious. Yeah. But his parents were there and they're trying to figure out why does he listen to this dude and he seems intimidated. And the kid starts showing out the parents. Again, our parents didn't come to our practices. These parents now set up tents at yeah. the practice 10 yards from the end zone, which I can admit this now. What I did, I kind of fabricated. It was like, hey, uh, the AD for safety reasons says you got to be up here. Yeah. So I had the parents facing, <laughs> facing the sun. Yeah, you don't want to take an aberrant ball on the tent. No, I, no, I put them up on the thing so they had to face the sun oh, during wow. practice. Nice. And so, uh, and, but anyway, but with the, uh, when I was correcting the young man, because he started trying to act up when his parents were there, and I was yelling at him, looking at his parents. So he's back there. I was like, you're going to, you don't ever touch my quarterback. Take your lap now. And I'm looking at his parents. Basically, here's a life lesson for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, people don't, and I, that kid had respect for you, you know, and, and one thing I think it was, I think this quote's from Abraham Lincoln, pretty, pretty confident is, is that people don't care how much you, you know until they know how much you care. care. Right. And, and so it's not just about being tough. It's about helping that person learn to respect themselves because you respect them and help them love themselves as you express that love, but, but love isn't always soft and, and frilly. Sometimes love is very stern and needs to be heavy handed. Uh, love because, is a verb, right? Yeah. Love. 
And it needs to be what individualized for the situation. It's heavy handed. I don't, I don't want heavy handed to get taken out of context. I'm not saying beat your kids, but I'm just saying like they need to do hard things. They need to do yeah. things that are hard to Absolutely. do and they need to have set big goals and have grand aspirations. And it's okay if they fail. fail. Parents, you need to realize like it's okay to let your kids fail. How many times do you hear Michael Jordan and all these people say failure was my best lesson? Yeah. I, I, I aimed, you know, I didn't go out there to fail, but I'm grateful I did. The discoveries. Uh, like scientifically was after many failures right? well, even michael jordan he didn't make his his freshman year he got cut from the varsity team so he uh he was he didn't like that and so he went home talked to his dad and his dad turned their back backyard into a basketball court and they practiced basketball all the rest of the next year came back he made the team but it, it, it goes back to it and you start early right um i remember what my daughter uh, to get her to crawl like, you know, naturally everybody just wants to bring stuff to her. So she wanted her a sippy cup. I moved it away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I approached that with her now. Like, I'm, I'm loving, you'll see us, we'll, we'll cuddle, things like that. But it's also tough love. And she understands that. And it's like, you know. Again, it, tough love not being hard on them. It's just doing what she needs to to grow. My job is to prepare her for life. Right. I only have a small amount of time. She's going to be an adult longer than she'll be a child. So I want her to enjoy her childhood. That's a profound statement. I've never really thought of that. I mean, that's very true. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> enjoy your childhood. But the ultimate goal as a parent is to develop good human beings that are, inter- that are independent but interdependent, right? Confident in themselves, things like that. You don't get confidence from not doing anything. You get it from things that you've earned. Yeah. And so, like, we have a program at home. It's called Daddy Bucks. So when she gets up, she has to brush her teeth, wash her face, make her bed. I have fake dollars from the Dollar Tree store. <laughs> I give her so, and inflation's put into this thing, too, now. She has a chart. So she gets $5 for that. Uh, before she started school, she had to do uh, a learning program, ABC Miles. Well, you do that, you get 20 or I think it was 10 or $20. You want a, a junk food treat? Well, guess what? That thing costs $30. <laughs> it, 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 you want to watch TV? Apples are a dollar. You want to watch a movie? No, seriously. You want to watch a movie? It's $50. So she doesn't watch as much TV. She wants to use that money for other things. But again, teaching her at three, you know, she's, you know, she doesn't get it totally, but she understands I get more of these if I do this. Yeah. If I get in trouble, daddy takes this away. It impacts these things. So now she's has some skin in the game of the things that she wants. Yeah, you're giving her ownership mm-hmm. in her own life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so, that's so important. I yeah, love that. So good. That was good. Daddy bucks. So that's a good, like good tip. I wanted to go back to Dancing with the Stars. So, so basically, I brought it because I saw a lot of the guys. One of the things from a scouting perspective, I always look at their foot, their feet, their ability to bend their knees, their hip movement, hand-eye coordination, plus uh, intelligence and explosiveness, right? And so some of the guys were straight, linear, fast, you know, gym rats, but they tight hips, didn't bend their knees well, and their feet. So I snuck into my performance camp. I was like. I'm going to take uh, Mycin, who's very limber and things like that, and I'm going to put, because I remember some of the best athletes also could dance. And I was like, let me put this component in because they're not playing, like I said. Everything they're doing is specialized. And uh, that's part of the problem. 
they need to learn how to play and dance. And I had sisters and you had people doing double Dutch and things like that. So it worked with their coordination and things like that. So, uh, I put in dance as a part of the camp and, uh, the sponsors for that camp, they couldn't believe it. They loved it. Everybody had fun. And so then, now I'm like, can I get back to sports performance camps for you guys? And stuff like that? <laughs> we literally just had a camp called Dan- uh, Dance to the Future. So I did it under the theme of Back to the Future. So my daughter actually has the Temptations routine. Uh, so she cute. did the 70s last year. Uh, then we had kind of our era with uh, like the hip hop and then modern dance. Wow. Uh, so part of uh, the different components of the dance. That's awesome. One thing that I know that's kind of plaguing the league and there's been a lot of talk, controversy, and even movies made about it is, you know, the traumatic brain injury, the CTE phenomenon. Um, what, what's been your experience with that? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, personally, uh, so I've had some of my, one of my close, a couple of people I know that killed themselves. Uh, Dave Dorison, I saw him a month or two solo by himself at a restaurant when I had just gone home from Chicago and he had the thing like not too long before that, the domestic issue with his wife, then he committed suicide. Uh, Rashawn Salam, uh, who was the number one, he was a Heisman trophy winner, number one pick for Chicago bears. Rashawn and I became very close. I still have my Facebook messages cause I was going to Colorado and I hit him up and, uh, said, Hey, you know, what's good, Lami? And, you know, it was like, he was like, life is good, bro. And, a matter of a week later, he killed himself. Wow. And so I have some other friends and we, what I found, we've been more open because people think it's just NFL. Right. But, you know, you could have had multiple concussions playing basketball, getting elbowed, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And those soccer, things, soccer, which is actually higher concussion rate than football. Right. I didn't, that was a surprise to me when I, learned and a lot that. of people don't know that. Right. Um, and so, um, with myself, I've had a couple. So I talked to my friends, you know, like that played in the league. Because one of my close friends, I saw live when he had his uh, concussion. And then one of the things is, it, it's funny, but it's not. I was like, bro, you tackle too high. You got to learn how to go. And so it was a Thanksgiving game against the Detroit Lions. And my boy gets kneed in the head by Corey Schlesinger. And smelling salts are out and things like that. Wow. And yeah. so... um what I found now, because it's becoming more prevalent of guys dying, we've been open. And you're talking about macho men, you know, alpha males. Right. We're having a conversation. Hey, bro, how are you doing? How's, how's your mental health? You know, yeah. how, you know, because it, some people are going through divorces or custody battles and things like that. So we talk. I mean, in men, typically, that's not what we do. We're very few words. It's not, but it's not, but it's something I want to help normalize. Is it? I, I believe it's becoming that. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming that just like even within the black community, mental health, like us going, I mean, to be, and some of it is understood. You go in for a, a toothache or a, a ingrown toenail and they're doing, you know, next thing you know, they're doing hysterectomy or lobotomy, which has happened. Wow. So there's been a lack of trust lack in the medical trust. field um, with that. And then mental health is like, Honestly, it was a stigma. It was like, that's what whites do. Us as black people don't go there. My sister is a therapist. My dad did counseling. You know, he was a counselor, you know, at, 
with the ministry as well. So now it's becoming more a, you know, I'm seeing a therapist or, you know, like between the friends and stuff, just talking like, yeah, these things. And I'm talking about black males that were pro athletes. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And so those issues are being addressed and, you know, even in the conversations now, Hey man, I love you. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome because you know, that's that. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing and, and a wonderful thing for our culture um, to have one, a better relationship with mental health, you know, cause it's our physical health is expected, right? But mental health isn't necessarily, you know, something that we all always get praised for working on or, and even stigmatized, like you said, I, you know, and I didn't realize that they're in the, in that culture that it's, it's even more stigmatized to seek help and to, to have good mental health, but also to um, express like to have, you know, manly men be able to tell each other, Hey man, I love you. Yeah. And the thing is, because most men, we don't talk about this, uh, that we feel underappreciated, right? Like a lot of times people don't see, check and see how a man is doing. What I've noticed is that it, Chris Rocks joked about it, is like how men are valued and appreciated. And so a lot of times previously, we're, it's not been addressed. You know, you know, basically you'll see a kid, or a player win a Super Bowl. I love you, mom. First thing they say. Very seldomly are they mentioned dads, even if their dad was present, right? And so um, it's very, I would say it's important, you know, that relationally that men in previous generations have not, I would say, have not been that issue's not been addressed, but Meredith, what would you say in terms of this with men and women and mental health? You know, what's your perspective? Well, I feel like women naturally just open up to each other more and talk about how they're feeling or what's hard and whatnot. But I think you're right for men. It's, it's different. And, but I do feel like it's shifting and I hope, I hope that it's shifting because I don't just the mental health of men and women are different, but at the same time, we play a role in each other and working together and opening up to each other. And, and I don't know, men being able to, I don't know, Lonnie has so many really good friends that they're able to connect in that way and talk to each other about the hard things and how we get through it. And, and so I don't know, it's, it's it's important. Goodness, I was going to say yes. I'll, you, I'll have to say. Yeah. So Justin asked, I don't know if he's not on mic. He asked, is, is the mental health thing a stigma? No, it's, I appreciate the question. Is the mental health a stigma be, for, among men because it might be a sign of weakness? And I think for me, yes. I mean, uh, personally, I didn't want to admit, I didn't want to admit where my mental state was because that meant maybe I'm not able to provide like I need to. Maybe I'm not able to be a dad like I am. Maybe I'm not able to be a dentist the way I need to be a dentist if I admit that I'm weak in these areas. The problem is, is I still was weak in those areas where I wanted to admit it or not. I just wasn't addressing and making those better. And I would have to agree with you. I would have to say that we are deemed uh, less than typically when it's there, when it's like that. Although societal problems are a lot different, we're carrying a different type of load. In, in this society as being men. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that media, all these other 
outside things kind of curve what people believe, you know, uh, with it. And so for like, I know examples, you know, in fact, one of the first mental, uh, mental health issues that I can recall in my lifetime with football, uh, I have several, but one of the first ones with, was with Alonzo Spellman. Alonzo Spellman was a man child. He came into the league at 20 years old. Yeah. I think he had just turned 19, turned 20. Wow. And he came from Ohio state. You're talking about six, three, 289 pounds with 4% body fat. Wow. If that, and he could dunk brilliant, like intelligent. Um, but it was a point in time and you can look this up. He had, uh, just kind of lost it and barricaded himself in his publicist's house. They had the SWAT team come out and Mike Singletary had to counsel him out of it. And wow. then a week or two later after he was institutionalized, he's walking in the middle of a Chicago, Chicago winter looking like pro Magnum. And like he had no shirt on, no shoes and a big old beard walking down. And I remember we had to bring him back to the facility because it was something new and it was national attention. And I mean, the Chicago Bears did not have private security at the facility until that happened. With so we had undercover there, and I remember trying to get him in to see where he was at. And Zoe was a person. In fact, that cherry basketball game that I worked in, I saw him rip the rim, huh. rip the rim off of a duck. Yeah. And I mean. I saw him uh, beat Andy Heck, who was a, <laughs> a, Notre, a lineman from Notre Dame, beat him like he wore, was 50 pounds. Boom, boom, boom. But he went crazy. Uh, what they deemed crazy, and it was like people didn't want to touch him after that. I mean, you, you kind of want the Lawrence Taylor, but then right. you don't. Yeah. But so now, depending on your position, you know, that you play and – you know, there's still that stigma where teams are skeptical once you start addressing the fact or making it known, I'm struggling with some mental health things. So there, that stigma is still there because your investment is like they're going to look at it and I'm taking a very bold pres, uh, position on it, but they're looking at you like a car investment. If, you're, uh, it, if your transmission is slipping a little bit, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, lastly, I want to cover, I appreciate your perspective on that, man. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like it's one of the tragedies of the, the modern, that, you know, that the modern NFL fa faces. We, we both have cousins that have played in the league and they both have had, um, CTE, um, to a certain extent and, um, they've handled it differently but it's impacted every asset every facet of their lives and they have you know both of them had to quit playing well I'm, john didn't but kyle had to quit playing um, because of it and um, you know he was able to uh, uh rehabilitate his brain he largely credits cannabis for his uh being able to protect um, his brain and be able to regenerate and and, and function the function he has he, he's part of the nfl concussion study and they first diagnosed him with um, stage two dementia and early onset Alzheimer's. And when they redid his test four years later, all they would say is you've had significant cognitive improvement. They wouldn't, they wouldn't undiagnose, you know, they wouldn't say, yeah, you know, they, wow, we're really impressed with the improvements you've made. Cause you know, he, at the same time, he's heavily lobbying the league to relax their cannabis policies. Cause he firmly believes that that would help 
um, with, with the, the traumatic brain injury and things. So it's something that is, um, it's, you know, it's, it's paramount as an issue. And as our son plays football, I've even, you know, I'm, I'm concerned, I'm concerned for his brain. And, um, I played with a concussion because I, and I didn't want to tell the coach cause I knew I had a concussion, but I still wanted to play. I knew if I told him I wouldn't play, you know, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. It's something that is definitely a concern. I remember too, I was one of the more emotional moments for me um, with this was um, I loved junior Seau growing up. He was my favorite, favorite football player, favorite linebacker. Just loved watching that guy play. And I was in Build-A-Bear outside of Disneyland at downtown Disney with Brecken and ESPN's got on in the background. And the night I see that he took his life and I was just I, for a second, Brecken was like, dad, he's like hitting me. I'm like, I'm like Oh, I had to like snap out of it because that really hit me. Like he's gone. And one of my friends, when Junior went to play tight end and he got knocked out, that was my friend Rico McDonald. Oh, wow. and so that was the first thing because I remember he got had a concussion. Like, yeah, yeah but that's sad. Hey, I just want to real quick before we wrap up ask: um, being a single father and um, staying, you know, with wanting to be grounded and provide the best environment. How important is your faith play a role in that? It's paramount. It's the absolute foundation of what I do and how I do it. Um, so my faith means everything to me. And to raise my daughter in that way is very important. And so, like, I even say, like, you know, guys, you're, you've given me this ability to do the various things I've done. How can I influence culture, which is my brain, right? And so, uh, but I looked at the different things that were going on in the world and like, how can we, how have we influenced and how have we been influenced? Who's influenced us? So give you a quick thing. Rocket Ishmael. I prayed for him before I, uh, I was reading this book about faith and praying for those that have influenced. This is back in the early nineties. Lord behold, it happened. I was in a wedding with rock, his brother, uh, quadri. Never had met Rocket. They grew up in a Muslim faith. Prayed for them, things like that. Rocket became a Christian and converted his family. Mm-hmm. Quadri told me, this was in 96 when I met Quadri. Two year, three years ago, I met Rocket. Uh, some NFL players connected it. And Rocket and I have had communication and talked about faith and things like that. But again, I was like, you don't know. You influenced me. I had to have... Jersey shirt when I return and <laughs> things like that. But you never know who you influence and who you will influence. So, and I used the faith, my faith to be the guide that when people see me, they can say there's something different about me. That's awesome. Yeah. You're, you're planting seeds everywhere you go. When I was uh, on my mission, I loved the scripture. Uh, when Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. You know, it's, we, 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 um, interact with each other. We plant seeds into each other and um, it's there for us to take advantage and, and allow God to give that increase in our lives. And so it's important to, to be who you want to be all the time, right? And represent yeah. yourself the way you want to represent yourself and continually find that process. Yeah. Well, JD, we appreciate having you on the show. Thank well, you. I think it's a great place to wrap it up. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, I am on you can go to www.jadon.com or jadon underscore H on IG or influence culture or influence underscore culture 
on IG as well. Such so Jadon, J A D O N N, right? Yeah, I forgot. I just assumed everybody. <laughs> yeah, Jadon, Jadon. All right. Uh, awesome. So we'll make sure all your links will be in the bio. There we go. Thanks, brother. Thank Thank you. you. We appreciate you listening today again. Like always, we encourage you to like, share, and subscribe. Clickety click. Do do your part to help propagate the values that we're espousing on the show and bring into your lives so we can bring it to those that you love as well. See you next time. Thanks for watching on The Value Script.